coming to you live from BGM Pittsburgh. You're listening to the 3PL Premier League podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Mike. With me is Kev and Josh. Coming up on today's show, we'll break down the rumble that was City versus Chelsea. We'll discuss Liverpool's loss to Bournemouth and uh, Everton's draw with United. And we're going to cover all of the league action. But first, are you guys in the holiday spirit yet? Because I got decorations coming out the wazoo. Trees decorated. I got reefs on the windows. I'm nice. ready. There's presents underneath the tree. Oh, wow. You are yeah. really on it. Yeah. See, yeah. Just all weekend, that's all we did pretty much was just do that. Do so. you guys have your – because I know both of you have cats. Do they, like, love the uh, Christmas decorations, the trees? They try to climb them and everything? So the the older one, she's chill. She's like, ah, whatever. I've been through this. I don't care. <laughs> but the younger one, or uh, Kaylee, she is – just every five minutes, I have to go out into the dining room and be like, get away from the tree. <laughs> I got to get the bulb off the yep. floor, put it back on the tree, because she's knocked the bulb down and, like, swatting at it. So, yeah, I'm still trying to train her not to play with the tree. Tonight, uh, I was reading the latest Harry Potter to my kids, and my youngest one, who's four-year-old, came running upstairs to let me know that one of our cats decided to throw up under the tree, all over the tree skirt. Nice so gift. I was like, oh, <laughs> thank you, nice thank you, thank you. So, And tree skirts aren't cheap, I found out. We yeah. just bought one. I was like, what the heck? Why is this like 40 bucks? Like, yeah. It's literally a circle blanket that is cheap. Mine's in the dryer right now, uh, <laughs> thanks to my cat. So, uh, cats. Yeah. The, uh, the holidays are going to be here before you know it. Looking at the uh, Premier League schedule, this is sort of the, I don't want to say the last week of normalcy before the holidays, but next week we get into games on the weekend, games midweek, games the following Best weekend, where most year. teams are packing in three games in a week. So I disagree. I hate games on the weekend because <laughs> I'm at work and I can't watch them without looking over my shoulder every five seconds to make sure no one's watching me watch the game. <laughs> <sighs> it's the most... Okay, let's get into uh, let's get into some of the games. The first game we're going to talk about here is City versus Chelsea. Chelsea extend their winning streak to eight games after a three to one win in a game that City very easily could have won. In terms of takeaways, you know, my first takeaway is you can't. I mean, you can be upset if you're a City fan, but watching this game, they had their chances. Like they just didn't finish. There was one in particular. De Bruyne was four yards out on an empty net, and he hit it off the crossbar. Like. That was ridiculous. I it, I feel like that's why you are upset as a City fan, because this yeah. game was winnable, and it should have been a winnable game, like at least a tie for them, a draw. It was it was just crazy to think that they just couldn't capitalize on any of these opportunities. Yeah. It should have been three points for them. Yeah. Um, I will say that the big thing to be upset about, unless, Kev, you want to interject no, before I was just we get gonna into say, the uh, scrum. The, the, the point, I mean, like right now, just in my head, the word I have to define Chelsea is just clinical. I mean, they, it seems like week in, week out, they're not, they don't create like five or six chances. They'll create two or three, but they're putting all of them away. And that's that mm-hmm. was the case in this game as well. Yeah, every one of their goals came off a counterattack. Um, the big thing that I think if you're a Chelsea fan, you're upset, or Chelsea, if you're a City fan that you're upset about is that scrum at the end of the match. So it was the 95th minute. Aguero's chasing down a ball that David Luiz beats him to. Aguero basically scissor kicks him in midair, brings him down. Lots of shoving ensues as part of the scrum. Um, it was it was interesting because it was hard to see at first, but after a bunch of the replays, Fabregas sort of smacks Fernandinho. And I couldn't tell if it was like a, like, I'm going to smack you to irritate you or like just a, like, hey, man, let's chill out and like snap out of this. As a result, Fernandinho decides to basically choke out Fabregas um, and shoves him over one of the advertising boards. Um, 
Fernandinho gets a red and three match ban. Aguero gets a red and a four match ban. He's not going to be back with the squad <sighs> until Liverpool after on New Year's Eve. So I'm so, so upset by this. I, I just <laughs> bought Aguero on my fantasy team. I oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, th- this game really sucked. Uh, I was really upset by this game. <laughs> I feel like yeah, we we should at least be somewhat responsible and say like okay yeah like I'm with you. Fantasy takes a hit, but like. You don't want to see this for like young fans, like all that kind of. Like it's 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 not great when you're when you're watching some of your idols just act like. No, it's not. It and it was silly. It was like a pointless foul. The game sense. was already yeah. in stoppage time. It yeah. was. It just seemed pointless all around. You're not gonna, you know, taking him down is not gonna get you two goals within a minute of you know the game being over. It's just not. So why even do that? And he has a history of doing that, especially against uh, David Luiz. Luiz. I mean, that's that's kind of like arch rival right there. And he just scissor kicks him. And I feel like the four-game ban is deserved. Yeah. And Kev, you mentioned about how clinical Chelsea are. I mean, I'm not justifying anything that happened at the end of the game, but you can understand why City players were frustrated when they had so many chances and every time they think they have it in their end and Chelsea just go, nope, and they counterattack. All of a sudden, you're down 3-1. to one. Really, the only goal that City got was an own goal from who? Gary Cahill? Like, yeah. it's they didn't even score on their own. So the frustration levels were just boiling over. Um, on, on top of that, it's also how Chelsea play. I mean, you know, when, when they get up in the game, it became evidently clear. I mean, on, on, on the television screen... They drop into it like a bank of five and then four. That's it. Like come yep. break us down, and then you get even more frustrated. They hit you on the break with speed, and, and they're clinical and put it away. I mean, it's 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 so frustrating. I mean, like trying to put myself in a city fan's perspective. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would absolutely be driven up a wall after watching this game. Yeah, it, you know, and it just goes to show. I mean, City has done this for what? This is their now eighth win in a row. Um, Chelsea. something like that, eighth or ninth, or Chelsea. Chelsea. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Eight, eight games after, yeah, 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 eight games in a row, and they've all just been clinical shutdown defense, counterattack type games. We talked about how this is sort of Conte's calling card, and I think what's interesting is you know coming into this season, if you you know looking at the managers that were in the Premier League, and if we said okay, you're starting a new team from scratch. And you're given the option of, you know, any manager in the Premier League, who would you want to have as your manager? I, I think the short list would be like Pep, Klopp, Mourinho, and Conte. And I would argue that in most cases, Conte would probably be number four on most people's list. I mean, even and, Pochettino, and yet, too. I mean, I think Pochettino's done yeah, that for Spurs. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm going to – I don't want to sound like a homer. <laughs> but, yeah, I. but in this case, you know, Conte took a team that – was struggling and they've now ran off eight straight and you know i made a note here is it just me but since chelsea switched to a 3-4-3 you're starting to see other teams in the premier league go to 3-4-3 as well just to follow suit like i I mean i i don't know i I think formations and systems come in and out of vogue and you know it's 4-4-2 is the thing for a long time then that would crash and burn then it was 4-2-3-1 and i think that's been on the wane for a while and people have been kind of looking mm-hmm. for something new and you know if, if you look at yeah i mean a well-organized 3-4-3 is i mean you, you can see the benefits from it from a from a chelsea standpoint and i, don't know, I mean you, you mentioned like chelsea had like 
a rough start. I mean, did they even have a rough start? I'm trying to pull up their uh, first first couple games. I can't imagine it was that bad. Because how many losses they ha- do they have this season? It, it has to be one, right? Let's see here. Um, we're all, all tippy tapping away. Yeah, I mean, so oh, yeah, and, we're and all... they also, I mean, they didn't have a rough start. They won their first three games. They tied the next one. It wasn't until like their sixth game that they lost one, and that was against uh, who was it here? Um, Arsenal. I believe? They lost three nothing to Arsenal. Liverpool. I'm sorry, sorry, I forgot Liverpool. Yeah, they lost two to one to Liverpool. <laughs> well, they drew two two to Swansea. They lost two to one to Liverpool. They lost three nothing to Arsenal. And then that was when they turned it around. Yeah. They won two nothing to yeah. Hull, three nothing to Leicester, four nothing to United, I mean, crazy. and that's when they started their terror. Yeah, yeah. So it was really it's... just three games. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're looking good. I mean, it's it's. We were talking about City at the beginning of the season about like how they were the team to beat, and uh, now Chelsea just looks like they're unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think th- I mean it will end eventually. I mean, there was. You know, like Arsenal have that title of the Invincibles. Uh, those years gone by, where they didn't lose a game all season. I mean, there's a reason why there's like one of those teams. I mean, it doesn't happen. People, teams go on runs in seasons, and then the runs stop. I mean, it's Chelsea will lose or draw a game here coming up soon. They're not going to win the rest of their games. Um, but uh, I mean, yeah, the, the form they're in right now, they're the last team you want to play in, in, in the league by far. But I don't know. I'm wondering if they if they are like one injury away too. I mean, if Costa goes down, if Hazard goes down, even I mean, really, if any of the players that would be yeah. devastating. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I I do think that would be devastating to them if they, if Costa goes out. Like that is in Hazard as well, obviously. But it, I just feel like you're right. They are one injury away, but at the same time, I think that can be said for all the teams really in the top. Like there there's key players. That I can't imagine them. Well, yeah, it's been more than one. I just. Save that for that conversation. <laughs> we'll go on about that. Yeah, we'll, bit, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, otherwise, this was an exciting game. Like we said, it was back and forth. City had plenty of chances. Chelsea capitalized on theirs, and at the end of it, Chelsea comes out on top. Yeah, so, and deservedly um, so. Like like what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to feel bad for City when they end the game with that. Sc- you know, scrum. I mean, it was just like, you know, I almost, I was rooting for City most of that game. Like, come on, you guys can do this, you can do this. And then after that, just like, you know what? You don't deserve it. <laughs> Third away. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, it's going to get crazy next week as most teams play three games in seven days. Chelsea's going to get West Brom at home on Sunday, travel to Sunderland to play on Wednesday, and then Crystal Palace on Saturday the 17th. The way the form they're in, it's hard to imagine they're not going to get nine points from those games. So they're just going to keep rolling. City's going to travel to Leicester on Saturday, then be home for Watford on Wednesday, and Arsenal on Sunday the 18th, which that is going to be a huge game. Um, So we're going to have to figure out, you know, with all these games coming up, just how we're going to talk about these (laughs) and all these games that are going on. Um, Whether or not we just sort of pick three games out of the 20 that'll go on. I don't know. (laughs) We'll, We'll figure it out. I, I yeah, wanted to ask uh, you guys, yeah. um, at the beginning of the season, I would have bet that if not all three of us, maybe two out of three of us, would have probably put City as the favorites to win the league. So now we're, we're 12, 13 games into the season. Where where do you see them You know, now, if, you, if I ask you to make another prediction? 
Are they? Are they, do you think they're still serious title cont- uh, contenders? Do you think they're just eh? They'll get top four, or do you think they're in kind of a serious situation where now what? It's Fernandinho and Aguero out for and you know these these stretch of games and I, I don't know. What do you guys think about the whole city thing? I still think they're uh, title contenders. I mean, they're they're only four points off of first place right now. It's not like they're you know in really terrible shape. Um, they have not had the best luck. I mean, they lost this game. They won the two previous ones. So it's not like they're doing terrible. Um, but I definitely understand what you're saying, especially now with, you know, Aguero. Like, that that scares me a lot. Like, how are they going to be without him for four games? I, th- I, th- uh, we'll I think out. it's been there the way they've been winning, too. So, what I want to say the week – I mean, so last week before they played Chelsea, who did they so, – I mean, yes, and they beat them 2-1 to one coming back from a goal being down. I mean, so they're not, like, just kind of blowing away teams week in, week out. I mean, yeah. so it, where, whereas almost – on, on the flip side, if you have, you have a team like United where, I hate to say this, I mean, but they actually have been playing seemingly decently, but just the... Oh, I'm sorry, it was Burnley, by the way, not Sunderland. Burnley, okay, yeah. Team. The, Burnley, um, yeah, and they, they yeah. Where, where, whereas United, you know, playing decently, just the results aren't coming for them. So, you know, obviously if you want to pick between being in the situation of City, United take City because of the table position, but, you know, it's, it, it's not like their, their performances haven't been terrific but no and the games have honestly been kind of dull to watch like yeah. it hasn't been the exciting team that was at the beginning of the season where i felt like there was something there a spark and like they could take it all it's definitely been a lot more of a you know a, a drudging through this game to get the point to get the three points so I, I do hear you and i i do think it's less likely than it was before as far as what i'm concerned but i i still think they're they're a top four team, I still think. Like they're, they're at least are in the end, they'll pan out that they're a top yeah. four team, and I think they'll be closer to the top than the bottom of that four. I, I guess, uh, yeah. I mean, right now the way that I'm seeing the top four shake out, it's gonna. I think it's again, this is pure speculation. We're not even into 2017 yet, but I think it's got to be some combination of Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal. I keep trying to discount, and they keep fighting their I way know. in there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that then it comes down to City or Spurs. And part of me really kind of thinks that Spurs have a shot in that battle. But again, there's a lot that could happen here. I don't think that Pep's just going to roll over. And be like, yeah, we're okay at four or five. Like, <laughs> he's he's going to be pulling some strings. So, well, But I do think even, and I agree with both of you, I think they're, it would take a lot for them to fall out of top four. I, th- I mean, mm-hmm. not not like temporarily fall out, but I mean not finish in top four. But I will say I actually think Pep probably has a bit more time compared to maybe other managers, say like a Mourinho, just purely from his kind of, I don't know. His pedigree? It, not, not even his pedigree, but how he's kind of looked at as a manager. So, for example... I mean, Pep is a manager who he builds wonderful, beautiful things, right? He, he needs time to kind of build this glorious thing. Whereas Mourinho, it, it, he's, he's just a manager who wins, right? You get him in, he makes some really smart buys, some really savvy buys, he plugs the holes that need to be plugged, and he goes wins. And so I think Mourinho, like if you're comparing like who gets more time, Mourinho or Pep, I think Pep is generally just going to get a bit more time because, oh, yeah, of course, he needs to develop his youth players and all that kind of stuff. And 
he's done that over the course of his over his course of his career. Whereas Mourinho, I don't think, is at least viewed upon as being that kind of manager. But yeah, I, I will say that Tottenham would be more interesting uh, in the top four than Man City. Like I, I would find that more intriguing than. So if, if I'm writing the script that is you know the season, uh, I would write in Tottenham because I feel like that would be a lot more fun. Yeah, it would be a lot more fun, and uh, I feel like Kevin just wants to keep talking about this game, so we don't have to move <laughs> on, on and talk about performance <laughs> Liverpool. So, so I was a bit shocked because I had this game you? on. I had, I had this game on, and uh, Liverpool were up two nothing at halftime, and uh, I go back later, and they lost four to three. So there was a total of four goals. Score or five goals scored in the second half, um, four of them for Bournemouth. So, before I get in any takeaways, Kev, what happened here, man? Yeah, this this really hurt. It still hurts. I mean, it's it's such a, <laughs> it's I I mean uh, this probably wasn't the case. I'm probably just forgetting how I felt that time. But this oddly, this game almost like hurts more than when we lost like the Europa League final last season. Um, because it wasn't, it would be one thing if it was like the Burnley game where we just don't show up and then they kind of nick two goals and they win two nil or something like that. We were just, we played fine for 30 minutes in the first half. Not just fine. I think we we played well for for 30 minutes the first half. We, We controlled the game to, to a relative standard and to then just say like, just, just, just kind of throw it away in, in, in that respect to a Bournemouth team that wasn't really threatening us. I mean, I, I don't like for the first for the first half. I don't know if Carrius had a shot to save, and then the game goes nuts, and all of a sudden four goes past him. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's I'm not going to be able to put a string of coherent opinions about this. So you're just going to have to ask me questions, <laughs> and then I'll happily answer the question. But uh, this, yeah, this this is all hurt. I mean, I think there were there were two things that I sort of saw happen in this game. One, I think that Bournemouth grew into the game as their fans grew into the game. Like this was one where it felt like you t- you you see how teams can sort of go to another level when you when when the fans are behind them, and this is one where you can almost visualize that that fan fandom pushing them. I think the other thing that happened was Ryan Frazier coming on for Bournemouth. He <laughs> came in messy. in the like yeah yeah <laughs> he comes in in the 55th minute, forces a PK as soon as he gets in. He, was he then scores himself. He scores himself in the 75th minute. He set up Steve Cook's goal three minutes later. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean that that was it. Like it was just you felt like the momentum changed at that moment, and it was just crazy because I feel like even though they were two down at the half, you expected to feel like Liverpool was going to be pushing more and Bermuda was going to be absorbing more pressure. And when that didn't happen, I feel like that really got not just the fans, but the players like into it. Like, you know what? This is winnable, or at least we can get a point out of this. And once they, you know, they felt that weakness in Liverpool, they just went for it and it paid off. Every after every goal, it was like the the level just rose yeah. in the stadium, and the players just played to that level. And yeah, it was it was something to behold. Um, Kev, we had talked about in the last episode about Emery Chan and how he sort of looked a bit out of place 
um, lacking confidence. That goal that he scored, that was not lacking confidence. I mean, he, he ripped that ball. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, yeah. it was a really well-taken goal. Um, and, I, I mean, it is maybe – it was a better performance than what he had last week. But at the same time, I, I do have one point that I remembered that, that I wanted to make about this game. I think um, – I mean, so you guys made the point of when we were talking about injuries to Chelsea, Costa Hazard, and you kind of foreshadowed with, well, Coutinho's out now. I, I think it's not necessarily Coutinho's out, we play bad. I, I think it's in that midfield three and then the front three. I think we can afford uh, a, a lack of understanding between one of those, like, flanks or not flanks but like levels but we can't yeah. afford them in both so I, I think if if we can play our kind of preferred midfield three what i would say our preferred mid- midfield three that has probably played the most together which is henderson lalana and wijnaldum and then if Coutinho's not in the lineup and then you throw someone else in there alongside Firmino Mane, i think we're fine i think if if you if you uh what if you if you have to if Lalana's out and you force Sean and Wynaldum in, then you're fine. You still have your front three. I, th- I think what really hurt us was the fact that we had a player missing from both of those, I don't know, the front three and the midfield three. And I think, I think it was just things just weren't clicking the way they were supposed to. And when that doesn't happen, I think a lot of other things that branch off of that just don't work start falling i mean it it looked like they were tired i don't buy that they were tired i think it was just they couldn't kind of get their heads around the occasion they couldn't things weren't clicking i mean you know they weren't they weren't hooking up with other teammates and so i think that was the biggest thing i I think if lolano was fully fit and starts that match i don't think we see any kind of effect from a miscatino um what about Matip? I mean, that's I another have... huge thing. Yeah, great point. I completely forgot about Matip. I, I, I think if, if he's back there instead of Lucas, I I don't I don't think they probably score that one cutback goal. Um, I mean, they get the mm-hmm. pen, they'll get that pen. Um, they have their center back mm-hmm. do that like that crazy goal Cook. where like pulls yeah. it off his right <laughs> shoulder and just slots it in the bottom right corner. He's never doing that again. Um, not bitter, not bitter at all. He's not bitter. <laughs> And so, and, and I can't, I can't remember, I can't remember the other goal, but I, there was one more cutback goal. I mean, I think if Matip goes into that, he, things are a bit more solid and maybe we don't like four goals, but yeah. And, and it wasn't necessarily, oh, Matip's good and we didn't have him. So we played bad. It was more of the, well, now you have Lucas playing alongside Levin, which to my knowledge, they haven't done all season. And you have all I, these kind we, of small things that just don't line up with each other, and I think that's that's what kind of caused this collapse at the in the second half. We've talked about the importance of just consistency, especially across the back line, and you you try to plug in somebody new, no matter how good they are. There's communication that needs to be grown upon that you need to work together. And Kev, to your point, like you said, you you put that in every one of those flanks from defense to midfield to forward where you're plugging in three new guys. You're you're almost better off just putting in three new forwards and keeping your midfield (laughs) and your defense solid. You're going to have a better chance than trying to put one person into each one of those. I will say that Origi did a, you know, we've talked about how Sturge can't crack this lineup. Origi did a pretty dang good job for playing for Coutinho. I mean, his goal, his, his goal he had great. one goal early. He had one chance early on that he missed that should have been a goal. He yeah. just didn't. Mm-hmm. It looked like he was trying to, like, 
heel flick it, like let it pass through his legs and get fancy with it. Shouldn't have done that. I think um, he just couldn't sort his feet out. I, I think it was one of those. It happened very quickly, and it was like just slightly in an awkward position. He was trying to, yeah, I don't No, I mean, his goal was really well taken. I mean, that's that's what Origi does. He, he kind of runs the channels. He, he makes those diagonal runs, uses a bit of a pace power, does something with it. I mean, luckily excuse me, the goalkeeper comes out. And, yeah, I mean, it's a really tough finish that he does really well. I, I thought the chance was gone, and uh, and he buries it. But to be honest, I mean, I, I felt like after that, he has a really sloppy second half. I mean, I think all of them have a very sloppy second half, but I'm, I'm positive yeah. that one of their goals comes off of him being yes. very loose with, with mm-hmm. it um, when we have possession. There's, we have a lot of players in front of him at that point, too, so it's a bad time to lose it. Um, what it what it was was it was a set piece ball that went in and uh, basically Bournemouth was taking a set piece ball came in there was a weak clearance and Origi did not move to the ball as quickly as he could I think it was Cook that actually came out and just beat him to the ball and played it back into the box and that's what caused sort of the scramble in them to score if Origi had stepped to that ball and won that little individual battle they wouldn't have gotten the chance and there wouldn't have been the goal. Right. I mean, so, yeah. and, and I think it's just, I mean, that's kind of the player that Origi is. He, he's just a bit, I don't want to say rough around the edges, but he's a bit raw still. He's young. He's he's never going to have that kind of technical footwork that, you know, your Brazilian players have of the Firmino and Coutinho and even Mane for that for that instance. But he, he'll bring a lot of things to the side that other players won't, like his power, like his height, like his, you know, his speed. And I think he's a very good finisher as well, but... Um, I, I thought some of his weaknesses were exposed in this game for sure. Yeah. So the loss drops Liverpool to third, four points back from Chelsea. They'll get West Ham at home next Sunday, then go to Middlesbrough on Wednesday before the big derby match at Everton on Monday, December 19th. Uh, I, I forgot it was a weekday. I'm so sad now. <laughs> I'm the so win, sad. The, the win moves Bournemouth to 10th, only three points back from United in the sixth position. So... I'm starting to feel good about about my prediction that United will be at 10 to start 2017. Um, huh, we're we're going right. to talk about their schedule that's coming up here. Bournemouth's going to head to Burnley next weekend, then face Leicester on Tuesday, and then Southampton at home on Sunday the 18th. Um, all teams that are below them in the table. So I could see Bournemouth making a run here over the next three as well. Kev, That'd you have one last point. Yeah, no, I think the reason why this all hurts a bit more is because of the context of the rest of the results. So I think if Chelsea City draw then this feels a little bit better. If Arsenal don't put five goals in and win emphatically, this feels a little bit, a little bit better. And, yeah, I mean, it's so it's it's all that. Co- I mean, yeah, I, I, I had to look at the table for, like, our podcasting, but I didn't want to. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it's not good. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's move on here. We mentioned United. We mentioned Everton. 1-1. Josh. You know, you were you were nervous about talking about this game. Yeah. We talked about how this could, you know, sort of be a boost for Everton if they got a result playing a team like United. How do you feel with a 1-1 draw? I feel like I should be a lot happier than I am. I mean, uh, on paper, he- hearing a 1-1 draw against United doesn't sound bad. Um, but the way it happened, the, the, the goal that United got felt like such a bad bad goal <laughs> like it it, it it felt amateur to watch that that goal because uh so Stuckenberg just comes running out pretty much to the edge of his box and Zlatan just just kind of just 
kicks it right over his head and just barely bounces in. And it just uh, slow. It didn't even have to be in slow mode. You didn't need slow mode for that goal because the goal was so slow going. Or the ball was so slow going into the net. Well, yeah, it which is so so yeah so. The ball's played over the top this Laton. He basically has to reach out with his foot. Stecklenberger actually left the 18. Um, yeah. There was some, there, I forget who it was, media said that it looked like he was hit by a poison dart because apparently he was really fast <laughs> off his line and just got slower as he approached the ball. He couldn't do anything once he was outside the 18, so he just sort of jumped at it. Um, Zlatan, I think he realized how stupid it was. Like he's running, and as he's running, he's like, "I'm running a long way. <laughs> I should, I shouldn't be this far out. I should go back." <laughs> and so Zlatan just hits it high, and the ball actually bounces off the ground, off the crossbar, comes back out, has enough backspin to then roll back and hit the post, and then barely go over the goal line before Everton and tried. I forget to clear who it. came back yeah. out to try to like kick it out but uh he was just too slow it it, it looked like everyone had a delayed reaction like they're watching and like oh that 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 oh oh, we can actually save it it's going slow and then they ran towards it and it just was too little too late ball definitely crossed the line barely i mean it seems like goalkeeper is a huge position now for everton in in the transfer market i mean i don't know i was never really convinced by stecklenberg what he wasn't he like Fulham's second choice keeper or something like that. Well, we, we always thought, like, even the, before the season started, we thought we were going to get a goalkeeper. Like, we thought he was the backup keeper. And the whole time that Joe Hart rumor was right. going around, like, oh, we're going to sign Joe Hart. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then it never happened. And, like, oh, he's our goalie. <laughs> like, Stuckenberg is our goalie now. And at first, it, you know, felt he had a couple okay. games he where was he was doing really all right. Well, yeah. yeah. And I, I felt like he he's definitely, like, learning the position better and i feel like he could be something great but or at least good <laughs> but right now after this game you really got to question that and you think going in the transfer window goalie is now an extremely important spot yeah yeah so you know to everton's credit they poured it on late they got a pk in the 86th minute when Fellaini, of course it was Fellaini, um brought down gay <laughs> in the uh in the box baines beats De Gea to the left side made it 1-1 i yeah, I mean, there's a lot of discussion. I, I was reading up, you know, I, I looked into some local media outlets uh, just in Everton just to sort of get a, the sense for what, you know, people in Liverpool are thinking about this. Um, and there's a lot of heat on Komen right now. Um, you know, there's there's talk that Lukaku could be a, a problem now because he knows he's not going to get benched, but mm-hmm. he insists on having the ball played to his feet rather than stretching the field, and that could be reason for blunting their offense. I think the fact that Ross Berkeley didn't even see the field in this game, we've talked about all season now, he could be a big part of this, but hasn't for whatever reason. Um, it, it'll, I'm trying to find a quote. Uh, Rob, Robbie Vincent, uh, I follow him on Twitter, and he's a big Everton fan. Like He's always been. Glad he left. In Liverpool. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch, six burn, six burn. Um, he was talking about how terrible it would be to be a teammate of Lukaku because he wants it at his feet, so there's all that pressure. But then he gets it at his feet and he just fumbles it away. Like it's, it seems like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't with Lukaku yeah. right now. Um, it just is not working out. But yet he's the best player on the team as far as forwards go. So it's like, is, uh, is it the reason simply because he doesn't want to be like branded as this target man forward? That he's just a big burly guy. I mean, he does get a lot of foul. Like I feel like anytime he is one on one or something like that, or even two on one, like 
they're going to more likely than not give the foul to the other team uh, against him because he's such a big guy that it looks like he just pulls over people. But really, it's like he's just running yeah, past them. He's using his strength. They fall down. You're like, oh, well, the big guy knocked down the little right. guy, so give him yeah. a card <laughs> or give the other team a foul. Yeah, I mean, I guess that uh, the Liverpool Echo pointed out that uh, I guess Ronald Koeman pulled Lukaku aside after their 5 nothing loss to Chelsea and basically said, like, you need to be more like Diego Costa, where <laughs> Diego Costa made 77 sprints to Lukaku's 24 in that game. Mm-hmm. They're just different types of players. And, you know, Josh, like you said, Lukaku is like your best player on the field right now, so he's not coming off. So what do you do? Um, and especially since Belasi, I believe, uh, got a injury, and I think he is going to be out until the spring. Oh. I think they just got announced. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I know he's he's supposedly going to be out for a while, which that's just a, even more of a reason to be worried about this tra- or nervous about the transfer window, needing stuff to happen. Um, so it, it's definitely looking dire. <laughs> I, I think the transfer window is the biggest thing. I, I think, I, I don't know, I wonder what actually happened between conversations of Kuman and the people who hold the money, who hold the money at Everton. Um, because it did, it, what, it did seem like, like Josh, like what you were just saying there, I think there was an expectation, oh, Everton are going to sign a decent amount of good players over the summer. You had, you had more financial mm-hmm. backing, you have Kuhn coming in, you want to give money to your new manager and all that kind of stuff. And if he doesn't pull that off, I don't I, I mean I'm, it looks like this isn't necessarily a team that he feels like he can work with whereas I don't know. I mean like I'm I can only I know the Klopp Liverpool situation well because I'm a Liverpool fan, so I try to ground it in that, but Klopp was always saying when he was coming in, "Oh no, I like this squad. I can work with this team." And you're like, yeah, yeah, but you're going to bring in players. like, well, And, of course, he, he brought in some, but it wasn't huge changes. And it turns out, yeah, he could work with these players. And so that makes sense. Whereas Kuman, I think, he was like, ah, oh, crap. Like, I, I needed, like, six players when it was coming in here. And I thought I was going to get it. Yeah. But I didn't get it. And now we're in this situation, and I don't know what you want me to do kind of thing. And that's why, personally, for myself at least, I, I don't feel like Kuman should be thrown underneath the bus. I don't feel yeah. like we should be railing for a new coach again, another manager um, after Martinez. Like, I, I feel like he just has not been given the tools to succeed. And this transfer window will be a big, big deal if we don't get the tools again. That would be two in a row where it just feels like nothing really came of it. Um, and uh, I, I don't think Lukaku – I think he's here for the rest of the season, but – I don't know if that's enough to keep us in a winning position. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Everton... Yeah, we've talked about some of the needs. I don't think Everton are going to get pulled into a relegation battle, but... No. No. no, no. I I, I still think they're good enough to to stay up past all that, but it's just... It's not going to be a fun season, though. (laughs) Like, it's going to be one of those seasons where every game you're like, ah, just keep it together, keep it together, keep it together. Like, that's that's what I don't want. I don't want another season like last season where... You're not rooting for the win. You're just rooting for not being embarrassed for the team. <laughs> I mean, I think come the transfer window, we've talked about sort of the wish list a little bit. I think that Everton could do with a top-level keeper. Whether or not they'll get that or not, I don't know. I think defensively they're not terrible. I mean, aside from that blowout at Chelsea, we've talked about it. They've been a fairly good team. Their, their issue yeah. has been offense. So what you need is you need somebody – to play either the link-up play between 
the midfield and Lukaku or, you know, Kevin, you pointed out, you need somebody who's going to be up there who is, you know, pulling the defense apart and doing the work that Lukaku's not doing to, to just apply some more pressure to open up that midfield a bit more and allow the team to collectively move forward rather than just playing the ball to Lukaku's feet, losing it, and then the whole team has to retreat. So, well, and, and, the January, and, and the January transfer window is notorious for not a lot of action happening. I mean, it's yeah. middle of the season. If you're going well, of course, you don't want to get rid of your players. But if you're doing poorly, you know, it's it, the summer is always obviously a, a much better time to get deals done. And it's I, I think Everton mm-hmm. are going to be hard pressed to pull any kind of significant deals off uh, over the January window. I feel like a goalie though wouldn't be out of the question. Yeah. I feel like a goalie is something that could definitely happen in that transfer window. It's not unheard of for that to happen. A forward, a, a good quality forward, that's going to be hard yeah. to pull off. Um, which is kind of bad, though, because, like you were saying, we don't have a bad defense, really. Uh, Most games are one or two goals against us, if any. Um, And one of the things we did get in the first transfer window was a good defensive player with Ashley Williams. Like, like we have that, I feel like, on lock, except for the goalie position. Yeah, Yeah, Pochettino's already sort of uh, uh, pulling for Sigurdsson from uh, Swansea. There was a little plug during the... Hmm. the the Spurs game, just saying like, oh, I, I think he'd be a great player with Spurs. <laughs> so we'll see if there's some selling off at Swansea here in January and if he happens to make his way to Spurs. But uh, we'll get to that. United have their sixth draw since the start of October. They now sit 13 points behind the league leaders, Chelsea. I don't think they're going to make that up. They'll take on Spurs at home next <laughs> Sunday. That'll be a fun game. Then they're going to travel to Crystal Palace on Wednesday and to West Brom on Saturday the 17th. So I could very easily see United coming away from there with two points, with four points, which some of the other teams are beneath them. Here comes 2017. Mm-hmm. If I'm right, I'm going to be so giddy. Everton <laughs> are going to travel to Watford next week. Then they get Arsenal at home midweek before the aforementioned Derby match with Liverpool on Monday to the 19th. So some tough games coming up there, Josh. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be easy couple of weeks for Everton. No. So. The, the, draws, the draw keeps Man U at 6th, drops Everton 8th, falling behind West Brom only on goal differential. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's do this rapid fire. We'll get around the rest of the games really quickly. Kev, I hope you're ready for this because I'm going first. Here we go. Palace versus Southampton. Crystal Palace's losing streak is over, and they got their first clean sheet of the season with a 3-0 win over Southampton. Southampton had more possession and shots in the game, but them doesn't make three points. Kevin, Stoke versus Burnley. <laughs> Stoke win 2-0. That's all I got. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Sunderland versus Leicester. Sunderland take out Leicester City in a match that had absolutely nothing happen in the first half. Not a single goal, yellow card, substitution, nothing. Not a wow. zilch. In the 64th minute, Leicester's Robert Huth. How do you say his last name? Huth. Scored an own goal, I'm guessing out of boredom, and <laughs> things started to get interesting. Four yellows, two goals later, and the end result was a 2-1 win for Sunderland. Uh, they move up from the bottom of the table and now sit in 18th, while the former champions of the league move down two spots to 16th. Oh, I, could Leicester realistically be relegated this season? I mean, just to pause that for would a second. Just be, I feel like that might even add more to the the whole Cinderella story of last season. Like if they get, like they they came, they conquered, they left. <laughs> Spurs versus Swansea, a goal of the week caliber stunner 
from Sun was one of five goals that Spurs put past Swansea on their way to a 5-0 win. The Conductor and the Muppet, I'm calling Christian Eriksen the Muppet now, got two goals apiece <laughs> okay. as Bob Bradley's crew look listless. Swansea are in last place on nine points while Spurs sit one win out of third. You know, I personally thought I would feel worse about beating Bob Bradley. Like, whenever like Spurs aren't playing him, I'm like, oh, come on, Swansea, you could do it. But this one, I'm like, no, I'm good. 5 nothing. That feels about right. That was pretty sad. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But like whenever Tim beat him, you're like, yeah, okay. Um, Kev, West Brom versus Watford. Oh, you're stalling. Thanks very much. West Brom win. <laughs> West Brom win three to one. And uh, I'm going to thank the BBC here. So West Brom and Watford have been charged by the Football Association for failing to control their players during Saturday's game. Watford's Roberto Pereira was dismissed in the 84th minute. Paella. He react, reacted angrily to a James McLean challenge in an incident that resulted in both sets of players clashing on the touchline. Thank you very much, BBC. Go check that article out. Um, <laughs> that's, that, that's all I got. <laughs> Josh, West Ham versus Arsenal. Arsenal laid on the hurt against West Ham with a 5-1 trouncing. I haven't seen a beating like that since uh, watching Liverpool against oh. Burnley. Uh, <laughs> Alex week. Sanchez scored three goals within 15 minutes to earn himself a hat trick. Ozil and Chamberlain uh, contribute to the other two goals for Arsenal. The win puts West Ham down to 17th, just out of relegation yeah, zone, and move Arsenal up to second with only three points separating them from Chelsea who are in first. And to bring it on home, the game after the weekend, Middlesbrough versus Hull, Gaston Ramirez scored the only goal of the game, helping move Middlesbrough into 13th place and dropping Hull deeper into the relegation zone. The Tigers now sit just one spot above Swansea. Guys, I think that was so. my best rapid fire yet. I have to admit. Oh, yeah. That was that was so rapid from you. <laughs> I was just, I'm efficient, guys. <laughs> I'm efficient. <laughs> All right, let's talk just a little bit of fantasy before we wrap this thing up. I feel like we've been talking forever. Um, it hasn't even been that long of a show. Uh, no, in no. terms of fantasy, I, I had to eat four points this week, moving continue out. Um, I haven't done that once lineup. Yet. The whole eating points. You haven't, you haven't eaten points yet? Not yet. yet. Oh, I, I do it all the time. Um, and that's yeah, probably that's why, why he's so far down <laughs> this time. <laughs> I am terrible. <laughs> but I brought in Hazard, which worked out well. Um, I, I played uh, uh, Riverhounds... Um, defender slash midfielder nikki Kolarik this weekend uh harry kane got me 26 points because i captained him choo choo um but <laughs> nikki captained captain him as well and he had sanchez who had 23 points on his own um yeah i thought i beat nikki by three points uh even though he started ross barkley coutinho shawcross and fuchs who got him zero points combined but thanks to FPL, they subbed those players out and put in players on his bench. So I still end up losing. Nice. Yeah, very similar story for me. I also end up losing just by like three points. I think the bonus points is what screwed me over, though, yeah. um, for the players that he had that I did not have. I was playing Espo of the Steel Army. Um, uh, yeah, so I've already mentioned it earlier, but I am super sad right now because uh, Aguero is now riding my bench for the next four games. That's thirteen million dollars just sitting there on the bench. Get him out. So gonna get, uh, yeah, get gonna, out. are you going to get rid of him? I'm not going to. No, because I just got him <laughs> in. I can't just like, <laughs> like that's not going to work. Like I don't know. I, I'm just sitting now with a uh, formation of a was it like a three five two? Like I'm just keeping two forwards only. I don't even have another forward worth putting in or any at all. So 
yeah. five midfielders sitting strong with Hazard and Firmino and Milner. So hopefully those guys give me some points. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm going to do in terms of moving players this week. I need to look into that. Kev, how did you? you are you paying attention? At yes, all? You gosh. You out? <laughs> gosh. Um, no, yeah, I, I lost this week again. I mean, it, it, I put up a decent point tally of 51, but uh, I just I'm, I I can't seem to buy a win at this point. I'm down to 13th in the league. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I hey, you're, you're still higher than me. I'm at 17. <laughs> well, you keep eating point. If I would have done what you would have done, I would have been, I would have been down there with you. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's. I, yeah. I think for a long time, my team relied on Liverpool playing well, <laughs> and uh, that's we're just we're not. You know, this past week, and then yeah. So I, I don't know. I might have yeah. to make some changes. I, I've been waiting for Benteke to go off and. I wouldn't necessarily went he went off last week, but he did get what two goals, right? Um, so that's that's helping me. But uh, but yeah, I, I need to make some changes. Yeah, yeah. I had Costa as my captain. And he got twenty four points with, with him being my nice. captain. So that's great. But then I also had Aguero in, who got negative one points for me. So that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, I, I got I still got Troy Heaney in my squad, and I, I just love him as a player. And I feel like yeah, he's gonna get ten to twelve to thirteen to. 15 goals this season 10 to 15 goals this season that's uh but I, he's just not doing anything consistently so I'm, i might have to might have to pull him out hmm. i think that's otherwise pretty much it for this show as we said lots and lots of uh premier league soccer coming up over the next two weeks so uh we're gonna have to figure out how we're gonna break this down but we will break it down thanks again to everyone for listening be sure to go check out the riverhound show that released yesterday over at bgn fm uh, if you haven't subscribed to it do so since we won't rele- be releasing new shows on the old subscription so if you're waiting for them to show up in your uh you know itunes or wherever it is you get your podcast it's not going to show up there unless you go over to bgn and subscribe to, uh, to that itunes version there um later this week we're also going to be bringing you the final pittsburgh college soccer show of the season john krasinski is putting in a ton of work for that so don't miss that um the guys from the uso eastern conference confidential are putting out a show so just tons of shows coming out this week don't forget to follow us up on twitter at 3pl pod like i said lots of games gonna be a lot of fun stay tuned and we will talk to you very very soon cheers later this is the 3pl premier league podcast brought to you by the beautiful game network find more great football soccer beautiful game podcasts at bgn.fm